0: So we were considering the win-loss program as one of the key inputs into our competitive program. And I think that the next natural first extension point is sales. Like, how do we you know, leverage this feedback to improve our sales process? And I think a lot of our focus over the first six, to even nine months was just how do we use this as a stream of, of competitive intel? And then how do we use it to sharpen our sales process and compete more effectively against competitors?
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blind Spots, a podcast by Double Check Research for product marketers and competitive intelligence professionals who are looking to get a leg up on the competition through win loss and churn analysis. My name is Jeffrey Palmer, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to be focused on one of my favorite topics in win loss how to take the findings from the win loss program and make organizational change. Our guide for this is going to be one of the sharpest minds in the business, Nathan Teplow, who is the Director of Competitive Intelligence at Salsify, and a key component of their exceptional growth. This one is going to be great, and I've been looking forward to this conversation for some time now. Well, thank you, Nathan. It's a pleasure having you here on the show.
0: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.
1: I'm really excited for our conversation today. So many wonderful things that you're doing there at Salsify. I'm sure our listeners are going to be really excited to hear about. Before we jump into some of those details, though, do you mind sharing just a little bit with me about what you consider to be your core responsibilities at, at Salsify?
0: Yeah, of course. So I lead our competitive intelligence program at Salsify. Everything from monitoring and tracking our, our competition, understanding how they're going to market, how they're changing their approach, what new features, moves they're making, keep, and just, you know, staying on top of all that. And then obviously, how do we, you know, make our team better at competing against our, our uh, competition. So uh, anything from enablement to trainings to battle cards and all of our kind of competitive collateral will work through me.
1: Interesting. How does the rest of the organization un- understand and value your role?
0: There's a few ways to look at it. The the one thing that we really track as a metric is our competitive win rate, which you know we've put a lot of work into establishing what's the right kind of framework and metrics for that. But that's kind of the key way we assign value to our program. And Obviously, look for ways to invest more in the program is showing you know how our our work is improving our competitive win rate at the same time. I always think there's like a a bit of internal evangelism that has to go into it too where it's not just what the win rate is but how are you putting yourself out in front of the organization and kind of making an internal name for yourself as a resource to your team so I, I do a lot of kind of active deal support. So anytime there's a competitive opportunity, I try to make myself available to our sales team and to our marketing or, or go-to-market teams, publish a regular like internal newsletter on competitive updates just to keep myself and our program in front of a lot of people. Because honestly, as a growing company, there's a lot that our go-to-market teams and our sales teams are really faced with understanding in order to do what they do. And, you know, whether it's roadmap or product changes or um, a competitive program like this, or we have value engineering, you know, programs as well, there's a lot for them to take advantage of. And I'm trying to carve out my space and make sure they're aware of uh, everything that the competitive program does. Nice.
1: That's good. But my next question that I was going to ask was, when did you first start working specifically on, on wind loss? Was it, was it at SourceFy or was it something that you had done at previous roles, previous organizations?
0: It was really something I started, especially at this scale and level of maturity at Salsify. I had done some stuff previously. I had been in like product marketing roles that shared some competitive intelligence responsibilities, and we did some kind of ad hoc win-loss stuff, but not a full kind of operational program like we're running at Salsify, which we really kicked off about a year ago when I stepped into this role full-time.
1: And what was, what was sort of happening in the business that led to that being the time to really sort of invest?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I I think a lot of it comes down to scale, just your kind of stage in, in your growth as a company and what scale you're at. But the other aspect too is, is the market. It's not always internal, but it's where the market is at. And I think we recognize the point in our market where there's more vendors popping up and we're competing in different scenarios and against different types of product lines. We've seen some consolidation take place. We've seen obviously new investments kind of flow into the market. So like Yes, we reached a point internally where it made sense to put a dedicated resource on this, but at the same time, the market was at a point where we needed to build a, a competitive Intel mus- muscle and, and function in a way. So that was part of it.
1: Interesting. So you start the win-loss program. It's the right time for you to to invest in that some more. Were there specific, um, I don't know if I'd want to call them pains, but were there specific areas of the business that you... You, the organization, was saying, "Hey, we're going to start doing win loss, and this is the area that it's going to help uh, improve."
0: I would say the the starting point was obviously competitive intel, just because like those programs were closely aligned and starting up at the same time. So we were considering the win loss program as one of the key inputs into our competitive program, and I think that the next natural first extension point is sales. Like, how do we you know leverage this feedback to improve our sales process? And I think a lot of our focus over the first six even nine months was just how do we use this as a stream of of competitive intel and then how do we use it to sharpen our sales process and compete more effectively against competitors and uh, you know we we might you might be getting to this so i don't want to spoil further questions but you know one of the things that we're seeing over the past you know three to six months as we build up a bigger and bigger base of of reports is just the other areas of the business that this can extend to so we're looking more top of funnel at you know, market messaging that can be impacted by these reports by looking at the challenges our customers are experiencing that we've collected from the reports. We're looking at, let's see, the different sources of influence where we can invest more in our website and AdWords and analyst relations. So it's really opening up a lot of different areas of the business that we can impact, obviously product management as well.
1: Good, good. And, and so stepping back just a little bit, thinking about the, you know, the journey of, a, of a, having a win-loss program, when you decided that you wanted to have a win-loss program based on interviewing, talking to prospects and, and customers, what was the, the first thing that you did to put a stake in the ground to, to stop building that program?
0: Yeah, I think one of the first things to do is to get alignment across the business. It, usually, it's executive alignment, but it depends on kind of your size and what level you want, you want to align around. But we got our executive team and key members of our leadership team involved early we asked them what they care about we said we're starting this program up what are the different things you want to learn what are the key questions that you think we should be asking as part of this and we built that into our our interview guide so they had buy in very early on the program and that really helped us push the program throughout the organization so i never felt like i had to fight an uphill battle to do that but at the same time you've got to go through some of the blocking and tackling earlier to make sure you're setting the program up for success
1: yeah sure I imagine that many folks, many of our listeners here will have run into some of those challenges of trying to get a program off the ground and trying to get people invested in it. How did you go about making sure that that you were talking to the right people who needed to support the program? And how did you go about understanding what their needs and questions were? Did you Did you send out an email? Did you sit down with them, call them on the phone perhaps in sort of an old-fashioned way? Um, how, how did you go about understanding the, those needs?
0: Yeah, a little bit of all of the above. Um, we sent like an email out just outlining the program and what we expected from them as getting their buy-in. If we didn't hear back directly via email, we'd schedule some follow-up calls just to make sure we talked through the details. I would say the primary influencers of that are the leaders of our go-to-market organizations, the leaders of sales, leaders of marketing, leaders of customer success. But obviously, product management was very closely involved. Some of our corporate development and strategy resources were, were pulled in. So we got a pretty broad range of input and feedback. And whether it was emails or follow-up calls or giving them deadlines to complete a, a survey to make sure that their feedback was incorporated, all of that was used to create our, our interview guide. And from there, we shared the interview guide with them after it was you know, completed based on their input we shared the first couple of reports with them once we started running those. So we made sure to get their buy-in early, but also set up kind of the course correction mechanisms in a way so that if there was something they didn't like, or once they saw it in you know real life format, there was something we wanted to change. It was pretty easy to do that before setting off on our, our full program.
1: Okay. And so you, you just saw those conversations, You you collect all that data, make sure that they're all uh, involved with building out the program, building out the research guide, as you said. How did you go about defining what the end result for the win loss program is going to be? How did you How did you sell that internally, or what expectations did you set?
0: We really frame a lot of our metrics and impact around our, our win rate. We we obviously took a snapshot of what our current and historical competitive win rate has been, and made a kind of estimation of if we can lift win rate by X percent, this would amount to x x you know new revenue in the business and kind of show the roi of investing in a program like this so it was really centered around win rate but there's also i think intangible things that you can point to as well like influencing the product roadmap hearing about the demo process and feedback helping shape more top of funnel messaging
1: very cool i'm going to come back to to that in the second i'd love to hear sort of the other side of that but before we before we get there i'm curious about how you identified the right types of companies to go after Was it easy to figure out who to talk to?
0: It wasn't too difficult. I mean, we obviously wanted to put some guardrails around it so it's not just like the wild west of, of sourcing interviews, but we set up some criteria, mostly around like, is it a late enough stage opportunity, right? We don't just want tire kickers, you know, that don't provide a lot of details, but people who really evaluated Salsify deeply and hopefully compared it to another alternative. Um. So that was one set of criteria. Um, we put in some price criteria and, and stuff like that just to, again, weed out some maybe unlikely or not as valuable prospects. But after that, we um established a pipeline of candidates and I go through my normal vetting process of checking with the sales team as those come in and making sure there's like no sensitivity and reaching out. I think in general too, like because we got buy-in early from the executive team, that helped make it easier to work more closely with our individual reps to source and vet candidates as they come through.
1: Nice. Did you did you have any problems either from sales or sales leadership? Any, any issues when it comes to sourcing that list sort of
0: internally? Honestly, I've had very little issues with that, which again, I think just like Speaks to the receptiveness of our executive team and and sales team overall. Sometimes people are slow to respond, and you just have to ping them a couple of times. And usually, with a couple Slack follow ups or whatever, I can get someone to follow up or, or get that um, introduction made. Sometimes I will push back a little bit, like a, a sales rep. I'll you know ask them, Hey, would this be a good candidate for win loss? And they'll say, No, they didn't really do X, Y, and Z, and I don't think so. And I said, Well, does that really mean they shouldn't be a good candidate? And they're like, Yeah, maybe. I guess we should put them in. So I I never feel like people are protecting their ops because they're scared of somebody going through the process. So that's been a good thing. But sometimes if they'll make some reason for not wanting to do it, just like put a bit of skeptical hat on in a way when looking at that. And not that you want to push them or be overly aggressive, but just make sure you're kind of like pushing back a little bit just because they said, no, it's not a good candidate doesn't mean it's not a good candidate. It just means they have a point of view on it and you know you can make that decision together.
1: Sounds like you have a good relationship with those those sales folks. Has it, has it changed since you started getting some of those reports back?
0: So a couple things there. Uh, one, going back to the deal consultation and kind of active support, that's a great way to get them to buy into the program. When you help them out on one end of a deal, they're more likely to help you out on kind of sourcing candidates. So I found that's a great way to build relationships with the sales team. At the same time, when reports come in, especially one reports that have positive sales sales feedback, I always like to share that out with the sales rep, with their managers usually, and just say, "Hey, it sounds like they had great things to say about you. I thought you'd appreciate um, seeing the full report come in." Because a lot of the times, we'll ask them to, you know, vet candidates and push them through, and then they have no idea necessarily where that report goes. So I I try to close the loop in a way, not for every report, but just the ones that you know had kind of stand out. Sales recognition, or I just thought was worth sharing. I try to surface those back to the team so that they say, Oh, yeah, when I was asked to look into this op and make an introduction, like, here's the final result. And it's actually reflecting well on me.
1: Nice. That, that's where I was going to go next. We know salespeople are typically often coin operated, but they're also generally extroverts. They like being in the limelight uh, in a lot of cases and, and giving opportunities to shine. I think it really means a lot to those folks. So it's, it's good to be able to do that as well what what do you do first when you get those reports
0: yeah good good question i've actually built a little like mini playbook in a way of just like a step by step process for me to remember as i go through and literally the first line item on that checklist is to read the report i literally have written read the report exclamation point and i try to make sure to read every word of the report from the takeaways to the full transcript just to really understand like what took place so that's That's step one, and then I kind of think about a few different ways of like how that report might impact different areas of the business. Is there product feedback that has to be shared with the the product team? Is there sales feedback either positive or negative that has to be dealt with? Is there learnings or takeaways from a from a competitor that we want to log and just keep track of and keep our eye out for? So I try to like break up the little bits of Intel that come through in them. And divvy them out to the right stakeholders.
1: Got it. And who who are those stakeholders? Who who does that content that material go to initially?
0: I would say my main stakeholders there are sales leadership. If there's any sort of sales feedback that comes through in reports or or trend we're seeing, um, even competitive threats that we're seeing, again more as a trend than like sharing every bit of one-off information. Uh, I'll certainly share that with with sales leadership. We have. Um, New product line teams that kicked off at the start of this year. So we have dedicated teams focused on driving the business behind each one of our core product lines and the leaders of those um, different teams I'll often share in, Intel with. That kind of rolls up to product management as well. So that, I don't want to say checks that box, but covers that area of the business. And then, like I said earlier, the there's more top of funnel insights that I think we're generating now that we have a larger batch of reports So I've been making my rounds with some of the marketing leadership and whether that's our corporate comms team or our revenue and demand gen marketing teams, just trying to share insights and different ways that they can use the reports.
1: So you get back the reports, there's lots of ways that you're using the information in the reports. How do you go about figuring out where it all goes and and which parts go where?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. And I didn't necessarily understand how much time goes into like digesting and breaking down this stuff. But I found it's very valuable if you do it right and spend the time to do it. One thing I did with our product marketing team the other week is just said, here's some initial insights I found through the win-loss program, just from general buying trends and challenges customers face. And I pulled up just one of the reports and I say, here are some of the questions we ask. Like one question we ask is like, what's your familiarity with solutions like Salsify? And we get questions all over the map. Some people have never heard of a, you know, a, a PIM or a PXM platform before. Some people have like implemented four of them in their previous four companies. So, and we haven't done anything with that question. It's a great question that we have, but we haven't really used that to, change the way that we talk about our products or the buyers that we target. There's so much value you can get out of these reports. But if you don't put the time in to think about how are you looking across these questions? How are you tagging things the right way? How are you sharing these insights with the right departments? Then you're not going to get out of it. It's like the old saying, "If if a tree falls in a forest and no one's there to see or hear it, did it fall? Like if a report comes in and no one does anything to read it, does it do any good for you? You really have to spend the time to think through the report and think about the different areas of the business that it impacts. And that's going to help give you a lot more value out of the program.
1: I see. Sort of, uh, you've got a roadshow that you have there that, you're, that you do for, for folks. I think you mentioned earlier too that you have a newsletter that sends out. How do you go about doing that roadshow?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. So the newsletter, I actually run bi weekly. I just, I figure that it, it just feels like the right cadence where it gives me enough time to find. Information, but it still keeps it somewhat regular out to the team. It's kind of a combination of any new insights we've learned about competitors from market movements they've made, whether they've released a new feature or closing a round of funding, or they're taking part in some event. I like to share uh, feedback and intel from the team. So anytime someone from our customer-facing teams will will share something back and say, "Hey, this competitor said this," or we learned this new thing about a competitor based on what the prospect said. I like to share those little nuggets in. Uh, the newsletter, because that's a great way to show cross-functional collaboration of a competitive Intel program and just give you know people on the front line some credit for surfacing Intel. And then I'll also include insights from the win-loss reports. So if there's a new report that's published since the last, last newsletter, I'll usually pull out a couple excerpts and, and pro- provide a link to the full report just for people to take a look at. One thing I'll mention too, is that all of these win-loss reports, we make fully accessible to the whole organization. It's not something that's just kept to, you know, the CI program or kept under covers and only shared with the exact team. We make everything fully accessible to the whole team. So I, I constantly find myself going back to the reports and, you know, even if it's a rep looking for deal support against a specific competitor, I might direct them to a report that we have either a, a win or a loss against that competitor to show some of the reasons why we won or lost and help them, Know hopefully navigate their their current deal more effectively.
1: I love to hearing about how you make those reports accessible to everybody, and and direct people to them as well. Aside from the newsletter and, and some of the ways you are you described to share information, how else do you go go about sort of getting that informationable about buyers into a way that people can actually sort of utilize?
0: Yeah, so one thing we've been spending a lot of time on over the past 3 months and when I say we it's like in full partnership with with double check and you know your team there is how do we really like scale our tagging and systematize our tagging in a way that we can really look across these reports and identify trends so we can start to look at the trends that people have when you know they're talking about their business challenges and it's been really interesting to see like just a very basic example is do people care more about improving internal efficiency like reducing manual effort versus do they care more about online growth and digital growth and trying to you know invest in solutions that are going to grow their business or extend them into new channels and marketplaces and it's just been interesting like to see how those break down in our reports and then the next level of that is how do we look at wins and losses against those so when someone is trying to reduce manual effort more so than they're trying to grow their business, does one result in more wins versus losses? And I think that's just interesting insight that we're now starting to funnel back into our marketing. So if we know one works better than the other, we can focus more of our keywords and AdWord buying on a specific term. We can start to shape our first call pitches and our um, intro conversations around solving that challenge that we know tends to result in more wins versus losses. So being able to organize our tags effectively has really helped us turn a lot of this qualitative data that we have through win-loss reports into quantitative data that we can um, that we can action on.
1: Are there any particular examples you can think of where you were able to look at something in the win-loss program and see it have sort of a noticeable impact, a change that was made as to how you went about winning new business perhaps?
0: yeah so one thing that has come through pretty consistently in in our win loss program and through the summaries that double check does for us is i'll say how we sell the kind of vision and and platform that we have so one of the things that we pride ourselves on and that we call one of our differentiators is that we've got a number of solutions bundled into an integrated platform right and like we think that's a great differentiator for us part of our our narrative but Um, At the same time, that's posed challenges for us in sales cycles because customers come to us with a specific need, and we talk about this broad, big vision platform, and we're not necessarily selling to their immediate use case. How do we sharpen our initial pitch there and talk about the right use cases, right differentiators, right capabilities that align to their needs without defaulting to, oh yeah, you should go with Salsify because we have this integrated platform and no one else has the components that we do. So that's just a, a general kind of early example of how we've been able to use these reports um, to zero in on a challenge we're having and something that we've seen result in losses and um, help us get better.
1: You know, one of the things you said earlier, and, I, and I've been patiently waiting to get back to this because I'm curious about your answer here. You, you talked about one of the primary Goals of the program. One of the primary ways that you would be understanding whether the program was successful or not was through win rates. Um, how have you seen your win rates change?
0: I'll say the program has performed well, and we definitely saw a noticeable lift throughout uh, 2021, which is when we kicked off the program. And you know, we saw a, a noticeable lift and and pretty much aligned with where we expected it to be as we invested in in this competitive intel program. So that's certainly been validating to see for for myself personally and professionally. And I think just nice for the business to, to see. We actually were able to expand our relationship with double check as a result. Our executive team was happy with the summaries we've done and the intel we're surfacing and the way that we're we've operationalized the program. So they allocated additional funds to do more with the program, which was again another great sign of validation for everything we're doing. And um, you know th- things fluctuate like you can only increase win rate so much, right? If you go from from sixty to eighty, you can't go from eighty to one hundred necessarily with the same amount of ease. So you're going to hit a point of—I don't want to say just diminishing returns, but it gets into a a mode of of more maintenance than lift at a certain point. And things will will happen, right? Like new competitors will pop up. They'll find ways to adjust their strategies. Like our competitors probably have similar programs or you know methodologies in in place to adjust their tactics when. They go against Salsify. So um, things shift. You know, one of the important pieces is just make sure you have your metrics and tracking in place so that as these things come up, like it's not always going to be great and everything's going to go up and to the right. So when issues come up, do you have the visibility to identify it and react to it? And the other thing too is with you know the win-loss reports, like I said with the audit trail, if we start losing to a competitor more. I can basically, I've got immediate access to go back and say, this is why we're winning and this is why we're losing against this competitor. It's not this like brand new research project we have to spin up and spend months kind of figuring out what deals we lost, which ones we won, what happened, trying to source interviews with different experts. Like we have that all in our repository of of reports. And it's just another value add of a program like this.
1: Have you run into a situation where you saw a particular competitor? You saw in the win loss data that there was something consistent through there. And, and were you able to, to address it? And if so, how how did you do that?
0: Yeah, certainly. Obviously, the win loss program is a key, you know, source of intel for us. And we kind of, you know, we use our own internal Salesforce will track competitors and track which ones are rising and ascending in terms of presence, in terms of win rate. So we kind of triangulate that through the win loss program. As an example, there's, you know, the competitor that's that's come up more. We're kind of considering them a, a rising threat. And we're looking at the different ways that they win against us. And one of the things we're doing is we're building in new questions into our win-loss program to really try to hone in on what, what the, the challenge is. So like I'll give a, a very uh, basic and kind of generalized example, but like e- ease of use and usability has come up a lot with this competitor and trying to figure out what things are easier to use in Salsify versus this competitor. And We built that question specifically into our interview guides to ask not just why did you make the decision, but when ease of use comes up, we're trying to figure out what that means to that buyer and what sorts of things we can hone in on or uh, maybe try to get ahead of if it does come up.
1: If you were to go back and relaunch the program from scratch, do it all over from the beginning, um, just knowing what you know now, is there anything in particular that you would do differently?
0: That's a really good question. I know we talked about some of the tagging stuff already, but I didn't know what I didn't know when I first launched the program. And you don't even know necessarily what to look for because sometimes the tags will evolve naturally just based on what comes up. So you don't want to shoehorn yourself into looking for a certain thing. But at the same time, I think if we had kind of thought about a little bit more about not just like, why are we winning? Why are we losing? And how do we improve our sales process? And maybe, you know, generating some new product feedback or, you know, identifying gaps or whatever it might be. But really thinking about all the questions we ask, how do we really like operationalize this and make use out of them from the start? I think it would have helped us be more purposeful with those questions.
1: Thank you for listening. And thank you to Nathan for sharing his wisdom on this topic. Organizational change is hard in the best of times. Perhaps we can all do a little bit better now, having heard how Sossify does some of it. If you like this content and want more win-loss best practices, please consider subscribing and give us a like on this episode. Feel free to share it and your thoughts on social media too, and you certainly won't want to miss next episode where Mike DiPi of Atlassian and I will talk through how to maximize engagement with your win-loss findings and tactics for distribution and things of that nature. I hope you'll join us then. Thank you for listening. I'm Jeffrey Palmer and this was Spots.